listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. When it comes to publishing an episode, I worry about all kinds of things. Is the sound okay? Did I ask the right questions? Will the guests feel like their story is accurately portrayed? Will all of you find the conversation interesting? The list goes on. But today, I feel nervous about something totally different. Nervous that this conversation is somehow shamelessly self-promoting. Because I'm talking with Grant Gary about his new film, Meet Me Where I Am, a documentary that explores the topic of grief through individual stories of loss, love, and hope. Similar to this show, the film highlights interviews with professionals in the world of grief and people who are grieving. Although, I'd argue that all the professionals likely have their own story of grief, too. The am I being self-promoting part is, I'm one of the people Grant interviewed for the film, along with my colleague, Dr. Donna Sherman. Thankfully, I'm only on screen for a very short bit, as the film has so many important stories to tell, but it was still an honor to be part of the process. Grant does a lot of Hollywood-esque things. He's an actor, a producer, and a storyteller. But he's also a certified grief educator through David Kessler's program. Grant describes himself as someone who has always been drawn to learning about grief and how we as humans grieve. From his earliest experience of his grandmother dying when he was a teen to a more recent loss, the death of his uncle, Grant has been curious about the ways that we do and don't talk about grief and the ways we try to show up for one another. Meet Me Where I Am is the culmination of that curiosity and Grant's dedication to normalizing grief and to helping us feel better equipped to talk about it and support the people in our lives who are going through it. Just a quick note, you'll hear Grant refer to a bunch of different people by name, and they are all folks who are part of the film, Meet Me Where I Am. Grant, thanks for being on Grief Out Loud today. I'm excited to be in the spot of asking you questions this time, since last time we talked, you were the one asking me questions. Yes, the tables have certainly turned this time. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So I know we're going to spend the bulk of our conversation talking about your new documentary, Meet Me Where I Am. But as always, you know, I like to put guests a little bit in the hot seat. Let's start with the personal. So what what do you want listeners to know about your relationship with grief? You know, I always had a curiosity for grief at a young age. When my grandmother died, I was 15. And that was the first time that I felt this overwhelming feeling of, wait a minute, the the universe messed up. This wasn't supposed to happen. And so from there, you encounter, you know, obviously other life experiences. And and I always, you know, sort of had that curiosity continue throughout life. And when I got to college, I ended up taking a course in grief. It was fascinating. It really expanded my knowledge for the subject, which I've come to care very deeply about with the film now just you hope to educate people without 
shaming anyone and help people and validate their feelings and, and give them hope. So those are some of the main themes there. What was the question again? <laughs> well, I'm curious. I know you mentioned that your like your initial experience with personal grief was your grandmother's death when you were 15 and then just kind of mm. continuing to cultivate kind of a curiosity about grief and what humans do when somebody dies. Have you had an opportunity since doing the film to kind of like put into practice some of the things you learned from the people you interviewed with grief in your own life? Well, recently my, um, I experienced two back-to-back losses and then the opposite of a loss. I, my sister welcomed a new baby. So my uncle passed and then my nephew was born. And so we saw this, I mean, truly the circle of life in our family. It's a, it's a hard time to, to be in that. But what kept uh, popping up into my mind was one of the recurring themes that I discovered throughout the film was grief and gratitude for life and existence and love can coexist. Not always in harmony, but it's not like my new nephew was going to erase the loss of my uncle. They were both going to exist in this, in this world, this, this loss, the grief, and then the joy and the love for someone new. And so that kept playing in my mind that it's okay for these both to occur and these both to exist. And furthermore, um, one of the things that, um, I'll expand on more is that um, the theme, a couple people had said this to me during the film, that that laughter, being able to laugh and through grief um, was tremendously helpful for them. And I and I experienced that in my own life as well. As you were talking, I was hit with this imagery of, you know, as I think, okay, if I'm in grief, and I have experiences of gratitude for life, like, how do I hold these two things at the same time? Like, do I just look left and right, left and right? How do I have them be in existence without that feeling somehow inauthentic? If I'm in one, am I being inauthentic to the other? And I was reminded of trying to learn how to play the drums, where one hand has to be doing one thing while the other foot's doing another thing. And it's very confusing and very hard to learn and frustrating most of the time. And then you hit one beat the right way, and as it works, and then it's back to like, wait a minute, how do I do these two things? I never successfully learned how to play the drums. Maybe that's why it feels so frustrating. But <laughs> that idea of like, how do we do two oppos- opposing things and hold them in the same place? I used to play water polo in high school. And I used to tell people that were drummers, um, they would ask, how do you tread water? How are you making these egg beaters with your legs and also with your hands and also trying to throw the ball. And I said, it's just like when you play the double bass on the drum, you eventually sometimes, maybe sometimes you don't, but there is a way to kind of do that dance all at once in grief though. I mean, I always tell people, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, But I think that giving space for one when it feels right to give space to one it's it's really important i think to listen to your body um during those moments you know if you want to laugh 
go ahead and laugh. And if you want to cry, cry. Don't deny your body those those feelings because I feel like if we do that, they could potentially manifest in more negative ways down the line. So it's really about holding space for those feelings as they come up. I remember someone telling me once, you know, to make, you know, make that time, like almost schedule it and say, you know, for these next 20 minutes, I'm going to just really feel whatever's coming up right now. I'm going to feel it. That's easier said than done. Cause in grief, we, we don't always, we can't control when it's going to come. And that's a whole other thing, <laughs> but I always advocate for crying when you feel like crying. So I, we skipped ahead a little bit. So let's back up. Here you are, like you're a teenager, your grandmother dies, you're in college, you take this class about grief and loss. It's fascinating. And then you come to decide, hey, I'm going to make a whole movie about grief. How did you get there? Yeah, so I'm probably going to answer this question in like nine different parts, but um, <laughs> here we go. Well, I was approached by the NK Foundation, an organization which was formed in memory of the founder's son. Um, he died tragically to gun violence. And they had seen a previous film of mine and, and they were inquiring about filming something. They just didn't know what, um, but they knew that something needed to be done. Uh, her name was Lisa and she knew that her grief needed to be witnessed. So we had a number of, of meetings. I, I told them, I said, you know what you're really talking about? What we're really, what we're really talking about here is, is the grief over the loss of your son. And we collectively concluded that we should share this with the world. People's grief should be witnessed. Backing up a bit, I mentioned I had taken this course in, in college um, with Dr. Ron Marasco, who, addition to yourself, Jenna, is, is also in the film. He wrote the book about grief, which is a wonderful book and resource. And he was, a, he was a theater arts professor. And everyone's always so perplexed when I tell them I took a grief course in theater. Um, but when you, when you take a moment and you step back, it, it actually kind of makes sense you know, for actors who are trying to become experts at their craft, it makes sense to get in touch with real feelings. <laughs> I've continued to study the subject extensively. I'm deeply passionate about it. And I recently became a, a certified grief educator through David Kessler's program, uh, David, who is also in the film. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I just, it was something that I felt was right in the moment that this opportunity presented itself to me. I felt it was something that, something good that we could do to potentially help people. And you started filming in 2021? Correct. In 2021. Correct. So it's like mid pandemic times. And I'm wondering yeah. if there was anything about the context of what was happening in the world that also contributed to this project moving forward. I, I read something during that time and I don't remember, unfortunately where I read it, but someone had said September 11th happened in 2001 and it took until a global pandemic for us to start talking about grief. I remember how much that resonated with me that it was an element of relief in a sense that we now we can finally someone i mean we're actually talking about this 
you know, because, and I thought about that and I thought, you know, I know why we're talking about it. It's because it's the first time everyone has experienced a loss, whether it be the loss of a person, the loss of being able to go to the ball game, not seeing your friends in second grade, you know? So there was this huge spectrum of, of, of loss that people started to encounter. And there was ultimately grief associated with that loss. And I think you, you know, you said it in the film, Janet, that grief is everything we think and feel anytime something changes, anytime anything in our life changes, there can be grief associated with that loss. And so I just felt that it was a good opportunity to share stories with people and learn together how we can grow at getting better at this thing. You know, Grant, there's so many people that you talk to as part of the film. I was just one of, I don't know, felt like 25, 30 people's faces come across the screen as you watch it, which I appreciate because there's such a variety of experiences. And some of those people were professionals in the world. Some of them are people it sounds like you connected with through learning from them over the course of your life. But what was the process of the other folks that you found to be part of the project? The NK Foundation was very helpful in lining up people um, for me to interview. And then, of course, being that I'd, I'd worked a little bit in TV and film, uh, you know, I reached out to some people that I knew um, directly as well. And additionally, there was a bit of overlap to Meet Me Where I Am and uh, Grief Out Loud guests <laughs> as well. So that was that was fun. But there were there were people that I just knew I wanted to reach out to. Um, and it was very important to me to have a variety of faces, a variety of different people with wildly different backgrounds, because I wanted to show that this is, in fact, something that we all experience. And we're actually very connected through this one thing because we all experience it no matter where we came from how we were raised what our you know what our background is and so that was very important to me so there's so many conversations that happen well they seem one-sided in the film but I know you're on the other end asking people questions uh and I imagine there's many many more conversations or parts of those conversations that didn't make it into the film and through that, talking to so many people about their lived experience with grief, what changed for you? That's such an interesting question. When I tell people about the film, and Jenna, you might get this as well. Um, I always get responses like, or in the beginning, I would get responses like, you know, how are you able to sit down and talk about heavy subjects with with people? And it's it's because that's what I want people to be able to do in these situations. Like a big part, a big theme of the film is normalizing just talking about it. And most people want to talk about it. Uh, Ron, Ron Marasco says it in the film. It's, it's, it's not like you bringing it up is going to remind them that their person died. They know they carry it with them every day. And 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 the the tragic part is they they feel like they can't talk about it, you know, because oftentimes we're worried about well, how is someone else going to react to my being sad? And so it was very important to me to give 
space for people to discuss their grief and their experience. I, I had I had so many just wonderful conversations with people and and Anthony Rapp said something that really stuck with me. You you grieve the loss of them. And at the same time, you also grieve the loss of who you were to them. You know, your identity as a brother, as a husband, as a sister, as that, you grieve that as well. And so it's just allowing space for all of it, which at times can be very challenging. But I've tried to keep that uh, in my mind as I move forward. Yeah, there's grieving the person and what they meant to you. There's grieving who you were because they were alive in your life, the role that you played. And there's also grieving how the world sees you now versus how they saw you before. There's just a lot of things about that. Someone whose partner dies and like, do I still get included in the couple things that we used to do? Or if a child dies, what do I do if I'm picking up my other child at school, pick up or drop off? How are the, how do the other parents see me now? Mm -hmm. Where do I fit in now that I'm someone who has suffered a major grief? For me, at least, this is the kind of work that I don't like when I shut my computer down for the day or I leave Dougie Center. It's not like I turn this part of myself off, right? Like I am a human who talks to other humans about human things. I don't just then go out with my friends and talk about robot stuff. But there's also times where it is hard to figure out like how to engage in the world where the topic isn't the focus isn't grief. And I wonder how has that shifted for you just like day-to-day -day socializing now that you've had all these really focused conversations. Mm -hmm. I can talk about grief all day long and I think it's important to do so. I also think it's important to find joy in, in, in life. I find joy in talking about grief because I think that's how as humans, we can get better at, I mean, ultimately loving one another and, and being compassionate and being there for one another. A big part of the film was defining how to be there for someone. I would ask people, you know, what were some of the best things people did or said to you after the loss of your person? And time and time again, it was the people who didn't try and fix anything, the people who were simply there. And of course, you know, defining what that, defining what that means, you know, I think it's important to assess the relationship we have with the person before, you know, before showing up at their house or sending them a text or calling them. What was your question? I, I'm, I, <laughs> I can talk about grief in any order, which is actually really appropriate because it's not linear. So <laughs> I think I was getting at, do you now feel like a weirdo in everyday social situations after going through this experience of having such focused, intense conversations about grief? Uh, well, I've always been kind of a weirdo. Um, so, but I feel a sense of, um, I might get pushback for this, but I feel a sense of strength in being able to talk about something that others may deem so uncomfortable. Um, because now I just I can just talk about it like we talk about, I don't know, a movie that we saw. And I think that's how it should be, because it's something 
that is so common. I don't know if there's anything that is more common than we all breathe air on this earth. We all experience grief. In the beginning, I I, I came up with the this this thing of, well, how do we how do we not experience grief? And I said, well, you never love anyone or anything, or you just get out of town as fast as you can. And neither one of those sound like a good option. So how do we live with it? And that's what I like to talk about. So you've uncovered the superpower of being a little more like matter of fact. I don't know if that's mm. the right term to use. I, I think about that terminology when I'm working, particularly with teens and adolescents and talking to them about their grief. I think they're so prepped for people to have a really big reaction to what they're saying, like a big emotional reaction of like, oh my gosh, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. You poor thing. I feel so sad for you. You must be so, you know, and I've sort of crafted this very like, oh, so that's what happened. And then what happened next kind of reaction so that they don't have to deal with me and <laughs> what they're sharing. So it seems like you've, you've cultivated a bit of that superpower of like, I can talk about grief in any setting because I want it to just be more normalized. Well, I think humans on a fundamental level, like, like story, they like talking about their person. They like giving space for it. Donna said something wonderful in the film, which was, you know, a lot of people say, I'm sorry about your mother or I'm sorry about your brother, but not many people ask, well, what, what was he like? What kind of conversations did you have? What types of activities did you enjoy together? And I found a comfort with being able to ask people those types of questions. And many times you see a sense of relief overcome them because no one had ever asked them that and they wanted to talk about it. So I know the film is, well, tell us a little bit, like, where is the film right now? We are currently submitting to film festivals. There's, there are a few on our list. I can't say which ones they are right now. Um, but the hope is that it will see um, there will be some showings in the upcoming months, but it is completed and um, we're very proud of it. I couldn't have done it without my team. Um, it was such a collaborative art and yeah, I'm just, I think we're just very proud of it and we really honestly can't wait to share it with the world. So the general public hasn't seen it yet, but a few people have. I mean, I got to watch it because I'm in it, and obviously your team has watched it. What has been the response so far from the, the few folks who have been able to watch it? Well, it's it's weird to say nice things about your your own work. <laughs> However, <laughs> I did get an email from someone recently who's part of part of our team that they said, it had helped them to understand so much about their personal grief. And it had been roughly 10 years after the loss of their person. And I know how they, they told me that they know how to deal with their feelings better now after watching the film and that they're no longer ashamed of their feelings. And today they're more focused on learning how to live with them in their life 
and and honor them in in a prop proper way like i said i think humans are so interested in in story and being able to tell their stories and being able to have their stories validated and so i'm just so grateful for everyone that has been part of the film and then everyone has has seen the film thus far so the response has been positive to answer your question and honestly that's that's exactly what i wanted i wanted people to i wanted it to resonate with people on a personal level i wanted someone to watch it and be able to say oh this is normal for me to feel like this this all these things that i'm experiencing are normal and i shouldn't be ashamed of it and for people that maybe hadn't had an experience like that to sort of allow them to think oh i never thought about it that way or i didn't know what i could do to be there for somebody now i know a few things uh, a few ways that i can be helpful i know for me when i watched the film I mean, I was really taken by people being able to put their grief, this very like heart body centered experience into words and to share that so generously with those of us who are watching. And then, so I have those folks all in my mind, but I also have all the people they talked about in my mind, the people I, you know, I didn't get a chance to meet or see on screen, but the stories they told us about their children, about their partners, about their parents who died. And I think, it's like you see all the faces on the screen, but it's like double the people you meet when you watch the film. And for you, is there a particular person or story that's kind of just sitting with you today? You know, it's really hard to choose just one. So I might mention a few here, but backing up to what you were saying, the people I spoke with, I mean, literally brought their people to life for me. I feel like I know Lisa's son, Nicholas, like we're friends. And I feel like I I know Anthony's mom. And I feel like John's brother, Chris, is my friend. And we're laughing together. And I never imagined that I would have this experience. That I know these people so well that I never crossed paths with. It's a wonderful, beautiful way. That, and I owe that all to everyone that was in the film, that they honored their people, honored their family and their loved ones, and that they were so comfortable in sharing so much about them with me. That was pretty powerful. I mean, I'm not going to lie. like these. <laughs> this was not Sure, we made space for laughs, but it it was it was hard for me to sit down and and talk to these people. And and mainly, you know, there were a lot of things that stuck with me after the interviews. One in particular being Lisa mentioned when she was in the hospital with her son, she saw a tear coming down his eye, and she said she felt like that was him saying, mom, I'm not going to make it. And that really stuck with me. Cynthia O'Neill in the film talks about how she feels that 
this is what she's on this earth to do just to get these losses in her life. And she spoke about her dog, Louie being a horrible loss. And I asked her why she feels that way. And she says, you know, she said, my brother who I love deeply passed, but he was on the other, he was on the other side of the country. And so I didn't see him every day, but Louie was with me every day. And so ingrained into the fiber of her daily life, Louis went with her everywhere. And so it was so interesting that so many different stories and different experiences stuck with me. One of the last ones um, that I'll mention that sticks with me is, um, you know, one that one that's not in the film, a personal experience of uh, losing losing my uncle. And in my family, <laughs> we always do a viewing uh, with the immediate family. And uh, depending on who you ask in the family, they think it's a good idea. Some think it's not such a good idea. I remember being there with my family and everyone kind of goes up, pays their respects, says a prayer, says something to my uncle. And then after we do all that, they're still dead. And that's grief. And I remember my mother saying, I just don't want to leave him. And I remember thinking that is a completely normal, valid response. And while we have to physically leave them, we don't have to emotionally leave them. Our love for them doesn't leave. It can still pain us till the day we leave this earth. And we can also still find joy in them and who we were to them and who they were to us. We don't get over it, but we can move forward with it. And it doesn't stay the same. It changes. If we can find new meaning in our lives as we move forward with that grief, great. And if not, we're not doing anything wrong either. So now that everybody really wants to see this film, Meet Me Where I Am, because you just gave us the, uh, the best trailer one could hope for, uh, I know it's out in the film festival land or going out there, so it's still top secret. But can you give people a little like heads up of where it's going and where they might be able to eventually see it? The hope is that it's going to find life on a streaming service. We just have to cross a few bridges before we get before we land there. We have an Instagram page set up for it. It's at Meet Me Where I Am Film on Instagram, and I would encourage people to follow. That's where we will be posting all the updates for the film. And currently, we have clips um, from the film on there that people can watch. Um, which I think is is very helpful. Um, we've got a pretty positive response from those so far. Um, and I would encourage people to message us. They can follow me on Instagram too. I, you know, I'm very open to people sharing their stories with me. I love talking to people. I love m- meeting new people. So I would encourage that as well. Oh, Grant, that's great. I'm really excited that people can follow the film on Instagram and 
watch clips, but listeners, please don't watch mine. It's a little embarrassing, but there's other great ones that you can check out um, and sort of stay (laughs) tuned for where else they might be able to find the film. As we get to the end of our conversation, is there any last things you want to share with folks? There are. I think getting back to gratitude, gratitude and grief and laughter for me, um, you know, John Farley said something in the film that was oddly enough, he says, in, in the Farley family, we handled grief with comedy. I'll never forget when my grandfather passed, my mom and I were sitting in the chapel and this, I think it was a gentleman that I believe was part of the funeral home or something. He just went up to, went down the row to every person in my family and said, my condolences, my condolences, my condolences, my condolences, my condolences. And my mother, and it was so, it was so robotic and so dispassionate that my mother and I just burst into laughter, which I might add, my family's really good at finding little moments of joy during really hard times. And I, and I, and I encourage that. And I think that is okay. Just recently, my grandmother had passed right before Christmas. And my dad was trying to make arrangements at the funeral home. Now, my dad gets in about one or two good jokes a year. So this was his opportunity for that, I guess. The funeral home said they were fully booked through the first of the year. And my dad said, without skipping a beat, can you put our name down on the wait list and let us know if you have any last minute cancellations? (laughs) And I just think it's just so important to be able to be comfortable with laughing in those situations. Now, this is just me personally. Somebody else might think, it's not okay to laugh or how, how will my person think of me if I'm laughing? Well, I don't think, and I could be wrong. I don't think they want us to only think of them as being a sad story. I think they'd, if they were here now, they wouldn't want us to be a sad story. If they were here now, we would still laugh with them. And so how can we laugh with them when they're not physically here? anymore. Well, Grant, now I can imagine that when you do your own end of life planning, there's going to be a bold highlighted paragraph that says, please make jokes at my expense once I am dead. So I'm sure that will be in your end of life plan. And (laughs) in terms of any last things you wanted to share, I know you were talking about those personal stories. And then is there any last thing about the film itself? Um, You know, I think sometimes we start a project, we have a particular idea of where we want it to go. And then we get to the end of it. And we're like, oh, and we're going in a very different direction, which often happens on Grief Out Loud episodes. So I don't know if you had a parallel experience. Um, you know, the film changed and grew as we went along. I will say it became bigger than we initially anticipated. With each new person, we gained more knowledge and understanding of just how vastly different grief can be. And I would say um, that was something I, I did want to show. Um, I wouldn't say the priority changed. We knew we wanted to give people a safe space for their grief to be witnessed. And one thing I wanted to ask people was, you know, how would they define it to themselves? I thought that was very interesting um, because I don't think you can 
define grief objectively. I think if you look in Merriam-Webster, it'll tell you deep loss. And you go, okay, well, that, that's so much more nuanced. It's so, it's so much more nuanced than that. And my own personal definition cha- has changed. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to ask people how they would define it because every experience is going to be different and it's so deeply personal. I can tell you mine is that what I've decided for today, at least, and this might change, grief is the universe walking up to you outside on the street corner after you've grabbed your morning cup of coffee. And it asks you if those are your hands, your arms, your feet, legs, and if you use those every day and you say, yes, I'm using my hands right now to hold my cup of coffee. And the universe says, not anymore. And you respond with, but these are mine. I, I can't live without them. And they say, too bad. And they say, uh, and you ask them, when can I get them back? And they say, never. And they walk away. And so how do we keep moving forward when that's been removed from us, when a part of us has been removed? I appreciate that because I think, you know, we've got grief is universal and then grief is all deeply, deeply, deeply personal. And to think of something that is mine as being taken away from me, also getting taken away from other people, but this part of it is being taken away from me. Well, Grant, I appreciate your, you know, your time today coming on talking about the film, Meet Me Where I Am. Thank you for inviting me to be part of the film. Uh, listeners, again, it'll be in the show notes of where to follow Grant and the film on social media so you can kind of keep track of when it might be available for you to watch it. And yeah, Grant, just thanks again for the time and for your dedication to you know, bringing this topic out into the general public to learn more about. Thank you. And, and thank you for being part of the project. You, you just like everybody else, uh, contributed so many wonderful things to the film. So, so thank you very much. And listeners, it was a push. I'm on the podcast for a reason. I appreciate audio. I do not enjoy video. So Grant really <laughs> had to convince me <laughs> to be on the, on the film itself and get interviewed with the camera on. Well, thanks again, Grant. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. And listeners out there, I say it each and every single time, but thank you for being part of our community, for making the show mean something, for sharing episodes with friends and family and colleagues and coworkers. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. It's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. Also our main website where you can find information about our local programming, uh, programs we're aware of across the country and the world, and free downloadable resources like tip sheets, activities, and all of the past episodes of Grief Out Loud. We're grateful to be sponsored in part by the Chester Steffen Endowment Fund. Thank you again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time.